Seven in a row for your Kansas City Chiefs. That's got to feel good. Got to feel good. And a lot of good things happened for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Uh, So many things took place in the NFL that affected Kansas City and its placement with not just the playoffs, but possibly the division too. A, A lot to talk about here on this edition of the Chiefs Zone podcast. Uh, gosh, it, it really is exciting seeing this team win seven in a row. The first four games were kind of one-sided. Kansas City able to dominate, but the last three wins have been tougher. It, but the Chiefs still managed to pull through and come away victorious in those games. And the reason that is so important is because it shows that the Chiefs can hang in there and finish through adversity, even, even finish when uh, they incur a roadblock. Andy Reid stressed the importance of finishing games in training camp last season, and the Chiefs struggled doing that last year. That is where they struggled the most, and had they been able to finish strong in a couple of, the, of those games, they might have gone to the playoffs last season. Instead, just fell short of that, finishing 9-7. and seven. Now, I, listen, a 10-3 to three score wasn't expected, and of course, I thought this was going to be a one-sided game. I, I predicted something totally different. If you told me that the Chiefs were only going to score 10 points, I would have said that streak would have been snapped this past week against the Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium. But the Chiefs won it in a close and exciting game. And yes, it was sloppy. Uh, And I think the weather conditions uh, played a role in that. But still, uh, seeing a game that close puts us on the edge of our seats and gives us an exciting game to watch. Ugly games can still be exciting, guys. When it's close like that and it comes down to the wire... You're glued in on the action. I, I think sometimes these these kinds of games, sloppy, ugly, whatever you want to call it, when both teams aren't scoring much, as long as the score is close, it's going to come down to the wire like it did in this game. Literally, it took all 60 minutes to stop San, Di- San Diego and pick up the victory here. So that's what the NFL wants. It's like a movie with that anticipated uh, intense fight scene in the end, I mean, you're waiting for that, and it comes to you at the end of that movie, and you see the protagonist slay the antagonist, and that's what you saw in this one. The good guys came away in red, and I've I brought this up before. I don't want to get too detailed into it, but it's kind of like the Kansas City Royals in the postseason this past year and the year before that. The Royals had so many close contests that went into extra innings, and I, I still remember the reaction from a lot of fans on social media saying how stressful this is as a Royals fan, but still the Royals came away on top in those games, and we all said, what a crazy, awesome game that was. Because let's face it, if your team is winning in blowouts every single time, it's boring as heck. It's not that exciting. The Chiefs, they've given us some exciting football the past three weeks. Overcoming adversity against Buffalo against Oakland. The Chiefs never trailed against the Chargers, but the Chargers gave the Chiefs some trouble in this game. I think the Chiefs also did some things to hurt themselves in this game. But still, at the end of the day, when you have all of these issues, you find a way to finish games and come out on top. This is what great teams do when times get tough. And the Chiefs found a way to get through these situations as a team. That is what great teams do, and the Chiefs certainly deserve that label as a great team. I said it last year. I said that the Chiefs are just a good team. They're not a great team because they weren't finishing games strong. I mean, and you saw them incur that three-game losing streak and, and go downhill, and that's really what kept the Chiefs away from making it into the postseason. 
Now, the Chiefs aren't making those mistakes. They found a way to handle that and conclude games on a better note. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Farzine Vesugian. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. Be sure you do subscribe on iTunes. You'll get the podcast anytime a new episode is released on iTunes. And as always, I mention this every single episode. Be sure you guys do interact with me on social media. Like my Facebook page, search Farzine Vesugian, give it a like, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Speaking of Twitter, I did put a tweet out there. And look, I mean, it's fair game. I've got thick skin, so I've got no problem with it. I, I consider myself somewhat outspoken. I, I, I like to have the opinions, not just for the sake of having them. I mean, I truly do have these opinions, but I always think outside the box. I mean, I, I, I tend to have opinions that not many others have, and I'm fine with that. But I did post something on Twitter, a comparison, and I got torched by a lot of you guys. A lot of you guys gave me a hard time about this, but as the game unfolded, my comparison started to look a little true. I'll get into that later. I'll let you guys know what that comparison is. Uh, of course, we'll recap the game. Kansas City defeating the Chargers to pick up seven consecutive wins. Also talk about the AFC. Like I said, a lot happened on Sunday, and it really helped Kansas City's case uh, to possibly not just be a wild card team, maybe find a way to, to sneak through and win the division. We'll talk about how that opportunity can happen for Kansas City and how the Chiefs can take advantage of that. Also, we might have a special team on our hands. I'll explain why later on. But first, I want to remind you fans, the last time the Chiefs lost a football game, of course, to the Minnesota Vikings, that was on October the 19th. This Saturday will be December the 19th, and that'll be the two-month mark since the Chiefs last lost a game. Since October the 19th, the Chiefs have turned this season around, now winning seven in a row. That never gets annoying to say, by the way. I I, I might say it ten more times later on in the show. Seven in a row. The narrative has been how the Chiefs have turned this season around. But I think it's time we change that narrative. I get it, and, and I'm sure you do too. And I think by now, everyone has bought into Kansas City's 180. Uh, some were hesitant in buying in because... People weren't sure. They they just wanted to see more. They wanted more for proof to make sure that the, the first couple of games were not a fluke and that this is a team for real. I, look, seven in a row, you don't get lucky. Yeah, sure, there is some luck along the way, but you cannot fluke your way to seven in a row. I, I think Carolina is not getting enough credit because people are saying that they're a fluke. You don't go 12-0 and 0 with just luck or fluking your way there. Same thing with seven. And I get, of course, winning 12 games and 7 games are two different monsters, but still, 7 straight victories, that's pretty rare, especially in the middle of the season. That is pretty difficult to do, and Kansas City has found a way to do it, especially against some very competitive teams that are competing for a playoff spot. A lot of these teams the Chiefs have defeated, if the Chiefs do tie with them, the Chiefs will have the tiebreaker and will make it into the postseason instead of those teams unless the other wildcard spot is up for grabs. So Kansas City is in really good hands because of the amount of games they've won and the teams they've defeated that are also fighting for for a contention. The number one tiebreaker is head-to-head, and the Chiefs have won against some of these teams. Buffalo, Houston, Pittsburgh, Oakland, if those teams end up tying with the Chiefs. Now again... 
I mentioned that the narrative is how this team has turned things around and now have won seven consecutive games. I think that narrative needs to change because we all get it. This team has turned its season around. They are 8-5 and five on the season. The narrative should now be, are the Chiefs one of the best football teams in the National Football League? Is this a team that other teams and other fans fear and want to avoid playing in the playoffs? Because let's face it, in sports, it's not about... It's not just about playing great or having a great start to a season because if that's how it was, Atlanta would be in the playoffs right now. If that's how we ruled who gets to go to the postseason, Atlanta would have probably a number one or number two seed in the NFC. And we know that's not how it's going to work because Atlanta has ran into a wall and might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Very unfortunate matter uh, with how their season, complete opposite of Kansas City's. In sports... It's about how hot you get and when you get hot at the right time. And the Chiefs, again, they saved their season right when they needed to. And had Kansas City's winning streak started one week later, the Chiefs would not be in position to have one of the two wildcard spots. They'd be a little bit behind in the standings, not by much, but the Chiefs got hot at the right time. Perfect timing. Because, like I said, had it been one week later, we wouldn't be discussing some of these uh, things with the wild card spots and playoff implications. So for Kansas City to be in this situation, it's great. It's awesome that they've turned the season around. I just think now the narrative needs to be, how great is this football team? I played the audio, of course, uh, of Champ Bailey, who was a guest on Colin Coward's show on Fox Sports Radio. And he picked the Chiefs as his Dark Horse Super Bowl team. I mean, this team is starting to get noticed. Rich Eisen uh, went out and tweeted something saying, hey, look, Kansas City, not only do they have a wild card spot, not only have they won seven in a row, but this team's not too far behind Denver. And that's what I mentioned with Rich Eisen's tweet saying that the Chiefs aren't too far behind. Denver, of course, fell to the Raiders. The Raiders, who the Chiefs defeated last week on the road, did the Chiefs a huge solid, beating the Broncos, coming back down by 12, 12-0. And in the second half, just completely shutting down the Denver Broncos, going out there, picking up a a big one, stealing one, and Denver. So with the Broncos falling to the Raiders, the Broncos currently are 10-3, just two games above Kansas City, 8-5. And And the Broncos, their schedule's not looking very good. It, It doesn't favor Denver, especially with how Oakland exposed some of Denver's weaknesses. You look at Denver's schedule. They will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road this week. Then they come back home and play a great Bengals defense. Now, of course, the offense, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on in a moment, might not be the same offense that we know. But nonetheless, uh, I, I think that Bengals defense still needs to be accounted for when the Chiefs, or pardon me, the Broncos play them in Week 16, then there's a divisional match against the Chargers. Now look, I, I know how bad the Chargers are, but look how close they were against Kansas City. These division games, forget about the lines. Of course, it was a, a, a 10-point game favoring Kansas City, but of course, you, you saw Kansas City not able to cover that. The Chargers go out there and give the Chiefs a run for their money, and that's what NFL teams do. It's a national football league. You should never underestimate a team. And listen, we'll all have our predictions. Sometimes we'll be wrong. Sometimes we'll be close, or whatever the case may be. Even though the Broncos play a very weak San Diego Chargers team, these divisional matchups, you, you just you just don't ever underestimate. 
Again, like I said, sometimes we'll predict blowouts, but a lot of times these divisional games, they tend to surprise us. Now, I did mention the Bengals and the offense there. Andy Dalton suffered a thumb injury this past week against the Steelers in the loss there, and it's reported as a season-ending injury with the possibility of a return in the postseason, depending how deep Cincinnati can make it into the playoffs. A.J. McCarron right now handling things and, of course, had a very illustrious career at Alabama. But, you know, I think there are reasons to kind of feel concerned about that if you are Cincinnati. Then again, look at Brock Osweiler and what he's been able to do lately, despite this past week being very silent against the Raiders. He's been able to help lift this team. I got him going on a three-game losing streak ever since losing to Kansas City. And the Patriots, uh, that that's another team to to look out for because they stumbled lately after starting 10-0. So you see the Broncos losing to the Raiders, the Bengals. They're going to be without their quarterback, who's arguably been a top-five QB this season. And then the Patriots, uh, they're kind of stumbling a bit. And I'm not focusing too much on New England and Cincinnati, more so Denver. With Denver now being 10-3 on the season, there's a great chance that Kansas City can strike and steal this division away, win the AFC West. Things are looking pretty good for Kansas City. Sunday was a good day to be a Chiefs fan. And look, by all means, you never want to see players get injured, but that's part of sports. And as as, as teams, you can't apologize for another team's mishap. You've got to take advantage of it. That's what every team does in sports. We all wrote this team off after a 1-5 start. I, I, I will agree that it's a slim chance that the Chiefs win the AFC West. But at least there's a chance. The Chiefs had a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs according to the NFL playoff prediction machine. So, if they can turn that 1.4 into something what it is, I, I don't know what it is now. I'm sure it's in the 90s. But the Chiefs now have, I mean, they're 8-5. They're in great position to make the playoffs. As far as the division goes... That's now wide open, and with Denver's schedule to finish off the season, you never know if Kansas City, with Kansas City's fairly easy easy schedule, you never know if the tide will turn in the AFC West and Kansas City ends up stealing the division. So Denver, not looking too good. If you're a Chiefs fan, you have plenty of reasons to feel optimistic, especially with the way this team has been playing lately. And let's talk about the game that they played most recently against the San Diego Chargers. I'll start with the offense. Uh, something I was kind of surprised with, uh, given the, the weather. By the way, big props to the fans who went out. A lot of fans, even an hour before the game kicked off, uh, many fans, thousands of fans already at their seats. And I think part of it is, you know, you won't have as many tailgaters, but still, uh, I mean, there are a lot of things to do at Arrowhead Stadium. Go to go uh, hang out in the concourses, you know, have a beer, have some food, uh, go to the team store, whatever the case may be. A lot of fans were in their seats before the game, which was pretty cool to see, uh, braving the storm out there. Uh, but in terms of what happened on the field, a very balanced offense in terms of play calls. Uh, the Chiefs threw the ball 23 times, ran 25 times, uh, a complete opposite of what San Diego did, throwing 43 and rushing only 18. And look, I understand San Diego's sole strength is passing the football. But given the weather, it was surprising that the Chargers still did that. And I think that's part of the reason why Mike McCoy might lose his job this season with the way he's coached his team. Hasn't been very well. And you look at how 
San Diego went pass heavy. Well, Rivers only connected on 56% of his passes, sacked five times, and threw a pick in this game. Didn't lead the Chargers to a touchdown in the, in both meetings against Kansas City. And the Chiefs are fortunate to have not just a great passing game, but also a great running back duo. And Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware, who I'll touch on later on in this podcast. But Alex Smith, he is using his wideouts. And you can see he's having fun doing it. I, I, I really feel like Alex Smith is having the most fun he's ever had in his career. Jeremy Macklin, he had back-to-back nine-catch games coming into this game. Uh, this past week against the Chargers, he had six grabs for 68 yards. Albert Wilson got involved a little bit more. Four receptions for 87 yards and the only touchdown of the game. And uh, Alex Smith, he, he's made some plays with his feet as well. Uh, ran the ball a few times. I'll, I'll get into the rushing attack a little bit, but Alex Smith is a really great three-dimensional quarterback. And you can win games not well not just regular season games but also playoff games and even a championship with this kind of a quarterback I know a lot of people have criticized Alex Smith and we'll touch on him later but I just feel like fans are not giving Alex Smith the credit he deserves like I said we'll get into that a little bit more later on but the defense nothing but good things to say especially when you hold a team led by Philip Rivers who's arguably an elite quarterback and a top five quarterback in the National Football League ever since he's been in the league. And I will say, I, I think if you want to look at the top tier QBs, I think Philip Rivers is the lowest on that list because how many times does this guy have to burn a timeout or commit a penalty, a, a delay of game penalty because you don't pay attention to the play clock? I think that's what makes him different from the rest of the elite quarterbacks that we've seen this past decade, guys like River, or pardon me, uh, Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, those guys, they pay attention to the play clock. If you're the quarterback, you have to be aware of the play clock. And Phillip Rivers many times was not. And, you know, that causes a lot of stress, a lot of anger. And it just gets to your head sometimes. And I know Rivers was un- under the weather a bit uh, with the flu. But, hey, I mean, he's playing, so it's fair game. Uh, big games from pro bowlers. Uh, from from Chiefs defensive pro bowlers, Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, Dantari Poe all had great games. Uh, Holly was ferocious in this game, uh, beating offensive tackles uh, and coming away with six tackles to finish the game. Two of them tackles for a loss, and the rest were limited for short gains, not letting running backs get through. I, this is the best I feel like I've seen Tom Bahali play in terms of trying to stop the run, not let running backs get through. For big gains, Derek Johnson, I mean, he, he does that all the time, but he also came away with a pick in this one, a tip pass right before halftime. That translated to a field goal to go up 10 to nothing. And Dontari Poe got some pressure on Rivers. Charger center Trevor Robinson had no answer for Dontari Poe, so Dontari Poe just kept getting that push, and that was really huge for the Chiefs defense. King Dunlap, the tackle for the Chargers, suffered an injury. Chris Hairston filled in, but... Still, San Diego had no answer for Kansas City's defensive front, uh, unable to hold its ground, and the Chiefs won that battle, getting to Rivers five times and pressuring him a lot more throughout the game. The good in this game, I've got four good things that I want to highlight, and then there are also some bad, four of them I, I want to highlight, so a total of eight of those. Let's start with the good, the defense. Like I said, holding Phillip Rivers to three points for the second time this season That speaks for itself. If they don't score, they don't win. That's how it works in football. 
Alex Smith, yes, he threw an interception, which ended his streak for most consecutive passes without an interception, which I'll, I'll bring up later on. But for now, I mean, even though he threw a pick, Alex Smith still had a, a great game, especially given the conditions, uh, playing under the rain and all, all of that. He threw the only touchdown pass of the game. And overall, did a great job leading the Chiefs. And also, with the rushing attack, Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware combined 18 carries for 106 yards. West had 10 of those for 54. Ware ran 8 times for 52 yards. And on top of that, like I said, with with Alex Smith moving his feet, he scrambled 5 times for 40 yards. So Kansas City, not only are, are the running backs out there filling in very well for Jamal Charles, but... Alex Smith's going out there making plays as well. I, I think people talk so much about Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware and how much they filled in for Jamal, and they have. Don't get me wrong, but I think you still want that dominant rushing attack. And without Jamal Charles, it is pretty hard. So Alex Smith has had to help out a little bit by scrambling several times and moving the ball as much as possible. And he, and he did that, running for 40 yards in this game. So the Chiefs have had a lot of luck Uh running the football this year, especially after Charles' injury. And I know what a lot of Chiefs fans have said, and I feel the same way. I don't normally feel this way when athletes get injured and miss out on on a good season, but Jamal Charles, a stand-up guy, nothing bad to, to say about the guy. Great on the field, awesome guy off the field, still getting involved in charities, even though he's recovering from his ACL uh, injury. But the guy is just a stand-up class athlete, and... It's it sucks to see that this guy's not able to participate with with the team that might have something special this season. Now D four, last thing I want to highlight. I've not mentioned his name yet, and that's been on purpose. He had a hell of a game. Team high seven tackles, three sacks, plus he was on coverage to break up the final pass of the game intended for Danny Woodhead to try to tie the game. And maybe San Diego could have gone for two in that one, kind of similar to the Chiefs in 2008 when Herm Edwards was the coach. Tyler Thickpin throws the touchdown pass. I think it was to Tony Gonzalez and then attempted to go for two, unable to do so there because, look, let's face it, the Chiefs were playing for a draft pick that year. So I, I feel like San Diego would have done something similar because they're also playing for a draft pick. So why not? Let's try to beat Kansas City while they can. That's a standpoint from there, not mine. Uh, but D Ford, heck of a game. Uh, amazing to see. And I think so many people have called him a bust because he hasn't been able to do much. Partially, that's due to the fact that he was drafted and he's had to wait for his turn. He's been playing behind arguably two, arguably two of the best linebackers, outside linebackers. But I would say that this is the best pass rushing duo in the NFL right now. Holly and Houston. And with Houston's injury, his knee injury, it's given D. Ford some opportunities. He came through last week when he put pressure on Derek Carr, which forced him to throw that pick to Josh Mago. That ended up being the turning point in that game against the Raiders. And this game, D. Ford came through with three sacks. Plus, like I said, he was covering Danny Woodhead in the final pass of the game in which Rivers uh, tried to throw to him, had it in his hand, couldn't secure it due to D. Ford, getting his hand in there and knocking it out, and that sealed the game in the final two seconds for the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, this is D. Ford's first career multi-game sack. Just a heck of a game, and hopefully we we can see more of this. I think we're with Tom Bahali and, and 
you know, I think within the next one or two years, we'll see Tom Bahali take less snaps and possibly lean towards retirement. And at that point, that's when D4 takes over. So hopefully the Chiefs can see more of this from D4. Now, I mentioned earlier in the show that I had a tweet, and I was criticized for it pretty darn well. And look, like I said, it's it's fair game. I, I mean, I'm not. I don't take offense to the th- the things that people have said on Twitter, even though some of the comments were pretty harsh. But like I said, you know, it, it, it's funny to read. Now, when D Ford got his first sack of the game, by the way, all of them were in the fourth quarter. Two of them came on third down, forcing the Chargers to punt on their next play. But I looked at that and I saw the I looked at the replay, the way he got to Phillip Rivers, and I wrote a tweet saying he looked a lot like Justin Houston on that play. Getting to the quarterback and finishing the drive right there, forcing a fourth down punt. And for some reason people thought that was a really horrible comparison. And I said, Alright. I mean everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Then you saw D Ford's second sack, then his third sack, and all of a sudden I, I stopped receiving hate tweets. From from some of some of the Chiefs fans, which was funny to see. Oddly enough, I, I made the comparison to Justin Houston, the color announcers for this game, Steve Tasker and Steve Burloin. They compared him to Derek Thomas, saying that D Ford's performance in that game reminded them of how Derek Thomas would come off the lineup scrimmage and get to the quarterback. And, and look, I, I mean, I've seen some of Derek Thomas on film. But but I, I I didn't think I saw that comparison. I, I actually thought it it was more like Justin Houston. It, it just happened to be the guy that D Ford was replacing for the time being. But look, I, I would take Steve Tasker and Steve Burloin's words. I mean, these guys were former players, and the, it, I think color analysts. Not all of them are great. A lot of them receive a lot of criticism for what they say on air. But the comparisons that these guys make. Again, these guys played the sport. They know what they're saying when they compare a player to someone that they uh, they probably went up against or played with during their careers. So to, to hear that D. Ford was compared to Derek Thomas is pretty special. Now, obviously, they're not saying, let's put D. Ford in Canton. Let, let's go ahead and, and, and name him the best defensive player of all time in franchise history. I mean, D. Ford still got a lot to, to prove. He's got to prove that he can do this consistently. But for the Chiefs to get this kind of comparison for D. Ford, that's a pretty special thing. That was the good for Kansas City. And with some good, even in wins, there is some bad. And I don't want to focus too much on these because every every team that wins, they, they go through some bad moments. But they're just not as noticed. Especially when you win. That's what happens in the National Football League. But we'll still go over these. 19 penalties in the last two games. You cannot do that at all. I I think that's Kansas City's biggest thing that it's got to improve on moving on to Baltimore in the next game. And let's face it, I'm sure the Chiefs are feeling pretty fortunate to still win uh, after committing 19 penalties in the last two games. You you just don't do that in the National Football League and, and be able to win a very rare occasion in which the Chiefs were able to pull away with wins in both of those games. Another bad thing that happened, Travis Kelsey didn't have a very good game. Uh, had a couple of catches. They, they didn't get the ball to him as much. And I know this hasn't been uh, the anticipated top five tight end type of season for Travis Kelsey. Uh, this was kind of hard because Kelsey penalized for a pass interference call during Smith's 63-yard touchdown catch-and-run play to Sharkandrick West. 
And, of course, the offensive pass interference call nullified the touchdown score, and that forced the Chiefs to take the ball back, unable to score in that game. I didn't score at all in the second half, which was interesting. Speaking of the final score, unexpected, narrow win, yes, room to improve. Uh, Rain is not an excuse for being able to come away with just 10 points. I think fans tend to use that as an excuse too much, and they make it seem like the rain fell on just one side of the line of scrimmage. I mean, look, that's we all know that's not how it works. Uh, the rain affected both teams. You know, when there's bad weather, both teams are part of it. It's not just one team being forced to adjust. Now, sure, don't get me wrong. I think bad weather can favor a team, but at the end of the day, it's not like one side's heavy rain and the other side's light rain. I mean, I mean, the weather. I, I've never used as a fan of sports. Uh, more so football because I mean, you don't see baseball or basketball played. Uh, in bad weather conditions, but as far as, it may be in baseball when it gets cold in November uh, during the postseason, but as far as football goes, you just can't use weather as an excuse. I I just don't think that's an excuse to lose a football game. Now, the Chiefs obviously didn't lose, but I think they made it closer than it should have been. Last thing I want to touch on, uh, the special teams, uh, not too good from Kansas City. Could have been a two-score game, but a bad snap and hold led to a Cairo Santos miss. Now, Cairo Santos, I still think, is a is a top-five kicker in the National Football League. He's had six misses this year, and not all of them are on him. There were two misses that were bad snaps or bad holds, and obviously that's not on the kicker. He also had a short-range field goal that was blocked, and that was on the same drive where Jamal Charles suffered the injury against the Chicago Bears. And there was uh, that same game, he was asked to attempt a 66-yard field goal, which that's that's never happened before in the NFL, and that's definitely out of his range. So four of those six misses, not, not on him. A couple of them are on Santos. I mean, he, he's had a couple. The two misses have been from long range. So I'll take that from, from a guy like Cairo Santos, especially with how late he started playing football and learning the sport and last year kind of struggled a bit as a rookie. He's arguably a top-five kicker in the NFL. No question about it. Now, the other special teams, whoa, we saw Frankie Hammond fumbled a punt return for the second consecutive week, and you just can't afford that. And that shows you how much D'Anthony Thomas's absence has hurt the team on special teams. They definitely miss him, and hopefully he can come back soon because the punt return game not looking too good with Frankie Hammond there. So I think the Chiefs definitely want to see DeAnthony Thomas come back and take over and and make the plays that he, he normally would. Uh, I think against Buffalo, had DeAnthony Thomas been there, he could have made a big play uh, because Buffalo has not been very good on special teams defense. That would have been huge. Uh, it could have been a huge day for Dat in that game. Now, you guys know I'm a big stats geek. For those of you who have listened to me for a long time, you guys know or follow me on social media. Get my Facebook page or like Farzine Vesugian. Also, follow me on Twitter, Farzine21. You guys know I'm a huge stats geek. A couple of these I posted on social media. Some of them I have not. I mentioned that the Chiefs held the Chargers to three points in both meetings this season. That's the second time in franchise history that the Chiefs have been able to hold the Chargers to six points in a season series. The Chiefs won four games 
within the division. This means the Chiefs will have a division record above 500 for the first time since 2006. So it's nice to see the Chiefs be on the winning side. Even the years when the Chiefs were good in, in 2010 and 2013 with double-digit wins, the Chiefs still did not do very well in their games against AFC West opponents. So it's nice to see the Chiefs start to dominate in the AFC West. Again, like I said, even holding a better record than the Denver Broncos, who lead the AFC West right now. By the way, speaking of the AFC West, the Chargers have been officially eliminated from playoff contention. The Chiefs knocked them out of contention for the second year in a row. It happened last year in the final game of the season at Arrowhead Stadium when Chase Daniel filled in for Alex Smith because of the lacerated spleen he had uh, in the final week. So Chase Daniel filled in, did a great job, and held the Chargers uh, out of uh, playoff contention, preventing them from being able to extend their season. Kansas City tried to extend theirs, unable to do so, but at least they finish on a winning note, which is which, which gives you confidence going into the offseason. Now, I do want to talk about Alex Smith. I said I'd touch on him, and of course he, he had the record for most consecutive passes without a pick. He, he finished uh, with 312 passes, second best in NFL history behind Tom Brady, which, you know, I mean, if... You're able to pass Bart Starr, Bernie Kosar, and you're behind Tom Brady on that record list. That's pretty good. Now, other notes for Alex Smith. He has 27 wins with the Kansas City Chiefs, tying Trent Green for most wins in his first three years with the Chiefs. And both Alex Smith and Trent Green were part of 9-0 runs in Kansas City. Now, it's possible Alex Smith might be part part of two Nine-game winning streaks. He has 3,034 passing yards this season. He needs just 279 yards to have the most passing yards he's ever had in a single season. Now, the two best seasons he's had in terms of passing yards were in 2013 and 2014, both of them with Kansas City. So I think that really shows you how much Alex Smith has evolved since playing under Andy Reid's guidance. And since he joined the Chiefs in 2013, Smith has completed 122 passes of 20 yards or more. His 122 completions are tied for third most in franchise history behind Elvis Gerback, who has 133 20-plus yard passes, and Trent Green, who has 274. That is according to the Chiefs PR staff. He currently ties Matt Castle and uh, behind Smith and Castle is Steve DeBerg, who threw 73 from 1990 to 1991. Look, I know Alex Smith is not your 300-yard passer. He, he's just not. And that's okay. Because 300-yard passers, they don't win champion. I mean, not all of them end up winning championships. I mean, look at Phillip Rivers. He's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the last 10 years. And hey, look, I don't have the those numbers in front of me, but if we had to look at the last 10 years in terms of passing yards, Rivers has been very healthy. Very rare that Phillip Rivers has missed a game. And so I'd be able to, if I had to put down money right now, I would say easily Phillip Rivers is in the top five when it comes to passing yards the last 10 years. But how many Super Bowls has that led to? I know he's been close a couple of times, but being close isn't enough. Even some of the greats like Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Many critics say that Alex Smith is a below-average quarterback. Some will say that he is an average quarterback at best. 
Guys, the list of accomplishments I, I just mentioned for Alex Smith, below average or mediocre quarterbacks don't earn those kinds of accomplishments. They just don't. And I think, like I said earlier in the podcast, I don't think people give Alex Smith the credit that he deserves sometimes. I think he's done so much for the Chiefs, you know, helping the Chiefs go from two wins in 2012 to starting 9-0. and And again, I know the def- he had a great defense, and he had a great defense in San Francisco leading to an NFC Championship game. But people are, are saying that Alex Smith had a great defense. So look, we're not going to hide from that. There's no doubt that Alex Smith has been able to, to have the fortune of playing for a couple of great defenses. But that doesn't mean he's not the reason for being able to lead the 49ers to an NFC title game or helping the Chiefs turn around their franchise. But Alex Smith, he still he still had a big hand in helping the Chiefs get to where they are right now. I, I was listening to uh, ESPN Radio last week and also Sirius XM Radio on Monday. And Spencer Ware was on ESPN Radio with Freddie Coleman. And Derek Johnson was on uh, Sirius XM Radio on the NFL channel. And both of them credited Alex Smith for being a, a big reason that the Chiefs have been able to turn around their season. So don't take it from me. I mean, you've got team And look, teammates are never going to go in front of the media and say, Hey, look, I mean, this quarterback's not the reason we're winning. But still, I, I think a guy like Derek Johnson, who's been with the team for a very long time, for 10 seasons now, his, his word holds a lot of weight. And for him to be able to say that, as well as other players who've said that in the media have praised Alex Smith lately, that that says something. And I think, like I said, I know a lot of people don't like to be wrong. I think a lot of critics are still upset that they are wrong about Alex Smith and how well he's been playing lately. I mean, I saw a lot of those critics come out when he threw that pick, but... Let's face it, uh, again, he's not a top-tier quarterback. I'm not going to label him as one. But at the end of the day, he can win you football games. He will do what it takes, and he'll he'll hold you away from losing too. He does a great job taking care of the football. Four interceptions this season. I'll take that from Alex Smith. And again, I don't know. Maybe it's because a lot of Chiefs fans were wrong and thought that he was going to be horrible this year. I mean, a lot of a lot of people were already talking about drafting a quarterback this offseason. And I think Alex Smith, he's shown why the Chiefs traded not one, but two second-round draft picks for him in 2013. And of course, Andy Reid, very happy to have him. Speaking of Andy Reid, is he the best head coach the Chiefs have had since Dick Vermeil? And I think some of the... Numbers here might prove that. These are, I knew that I was going to have to look this up at some point. And when I looked deeper and deeper into the details of this, I was just shocked. Even though I kind of knew some of these things, it's still shocking to see how far this franchise has come thanks to Andy Reid. Andy Reid has coached 45 games, which is the same amount as Todd Haley, who of course was let go three games before the end of the 2011 season. So I'm going to read you Andy Reid's record through 45 games, 27 and 17. Uh, I'm going to read you the number of days that these uh, last few head coaches have been employed, which again, it might not mean a lot. Some of these head coaches were hired in January, some in uh, February. Uh, I think Todd Haley was hired in February pretty late because the Cardinals had that postseason run. So the Chiefs had to wait uh, until they officially could hire Todd Haley. But, 
For what it's worth, Andy Reid's been hired or been employed with the Chiefs for 1,073 days, and that's all the way up to Sunday's game. If you're listening on Monday, of course, that number is now 1,074 days. Romeo Cornell only coached 19 games. That includes the three games as an interim head coach, finished with a 4-15 record, and was the head coach for just a little over a year, 385 days. This is where it gets interesting. I mentioned Todd Haley, 45 games, same as Andy Reid. Andy Reid, I'll remind you of his record, 27-17. and 17. Todd Haley, 19-26. and 26. Same amount of games. But Andy Reid, 8 games better than Todd Haley. And Todd Haley was employed for 1,039 days. Herm Edwards coached 48 games and coached the Chiefs to a 15-33 record, a 1,110-day stint with the Chiefs. So you look at Herm Edwards coaching 48 games, only coming away with 15 wins. Herm Edwards and Todd Haley led the Chiefs to just one postseason in their three years as a head And Todd Haley, to be clear, he was not a head coach for three full years. Of course, like I said, he was let go three games before the end of 2011. But Haley only had one winning season with the Chiefs. Same with Herm Edwards. And Herm Edwards, uh, his record as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs went down every year from nine wins to three wins, or pardon me, nine wins to four wins to three wins. Todd Haley started off with just four wins, came away with 10 in 2010. That gave the Chiefs their first division title since 2003. In fact, that's the most recent time the Chiefs have won the AFC West. But in 2011, uh, things just went downhill for... Todd Haley, and the Chiefs were blown out more than ever in a season, and that led to his termination. Romeo Cornell, not a good year for him. Of course, as as, as an interim, there were some signs of hope, but in, in 2012, it just wasn't very good, and that was a really rough year for the Chiefs. Andy Reid, in the three years he's been a head coach, he has a better record than all the other head coaches. And I think it's a better comparison to Todd Haley and Herm Edwards because they coached three seasons with the Chiefs. So Reed right now has 45 games under his belt, and there's no doubt that he's going to finish the season as the Chiefs head coach, so he will have the same amount of games as Herm Edwards in the regular season, 48 games. And if you want to include the playoffs, well, if he wins a playoff game, then he will have coached more games than Herm Edwards did in his three years with the Chiefs. But for right now, Herm Edwards, he has 48 games as 48 games as a Chiefs head coach. Andy Reid, three games away from tying that. Dick Vermeil coached 80 games through five years. Gunther Cunningham, 32 games in his brief two-year run as a Chiefs head coach. And then Marty Schottenheimer coached 160, the second most in franchise history. Hank Stram... He coached 42 games with the Dallas Texans and 164 with the Chiefs, so a total of 206 games altogether as the head coach of the Texans and the Chiefs. So you look at Andy Reid and the pace he's on. As soon as he passes Herm Edwards, he'll be behind, in order, Hank Stram, Marty Schottenheimer, and Dick Vermeil. Those three head coaches to be part of that group, to be fourth on that list, that's pretty good. Now, I don't know how long Andy Reid's going to be coaching here in Kansas City, uh, hopefully for a long time, but 
you know, you you also have to consider the older these guys get, and especially a guy like Andy Reid who's been coaching for a long time. He's 57 right now. He'll be 58 next year. So I think he's got probably another 10 years left in him. Uh, Dick Vermeil was 69 when he retired. So we'll see how long Andy Reid coaches the game. I, I think he'll be around uh, for a while. So you look at Kansas City and the company that Andy Reid is in compared to some of the best head coaches in franchise history. The Chiefs have something special on this football team. I, I talked about Alex Smith and what he's accomplished, and same thing with Andy Reid. Uh, the Chiefs PR noted in, in, in a release that Andy Reid is the only head coach in franchise history to record multiple winning streaks of seven or more with a seven-game winning streak right now and a winning streak of nine, winning the first nine games to open up 2013. He is just the second coach in Chiefs history to coach a team to eight or more wins in each of the first three years with Kansas City. Marty Schottenheimer did it in his first three years with the Chiefs. Speaking of three seasons of success, the Chiefs are one win away from having a record above 500 for the third consecutive year. Last time that happened, in which the Chiefs had three consecutive seasons finishing above 500 was from 1995 to 1997. In fact, the Chiefs had nine consecutive seasons uh, finishing above 500 from 89 to 97, all under Marty Schottenheimer. So nine years finishing above 500, pretty good. Uh, the Chiefs, they haven't had that in a while. So if they do finish above 500 this year, which they will, no doubt, it'll be the first time it's happened since 1995. Through 1997. I know Andy Reid's taking a lot of heat this year, and he's taken a lot of hard questions from the media, uh, and he's answered them a little bit differently, especially during that five-game losing streak. Since then, you can just tell Andy Reid's a, a little bit different and enjoying life more. And that's what happens when you're winning games in the NFL. You know, it's funny, following the game against the Chargers, Andy Reid was asked about D Ford. Covering Danny Woodhead, it was Adam Teicher from ESPN asking, you know, would you have considered a, a different player on coverage on that play? Andy Reid joked and said, I'd be more confident answering a different question. Everyone in the press conference room laughed. But, you know, he, he basically admitted, hey, look, and not the greatest or, or most ideal matchup, but at the end of the day, a win is a win, and he's having a lot of fun. He never started 1-5 before in his long career as a head coach, and I'm sure that frustrated him and the rest of the team, but he found a way to do something about it and to turn this football team around, and here you see this football team now standing at 8-5 and five and with a shot to possibly strike and steal this division away from the Denver Broncos. So the Chiefs, right now they have a lot to feel good about. If you're a fan, you have to feel ecstatic with what this team has accomplished lately, and hopefully they continue that this week, when they visit the Baltimore Ravens, and later on in the week, we will preview the Chiefs and the Ravens in our next podcast. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vasugan. Big thanks to all of you for listening to me here on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Be sure you guys like my Facebook page. Look up Farzine Vasugian. Give it a like. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and interact with me. I love all the interaction, even if I get criticized. Like I said, I'm good with it. I love the interaction. Either way, let's continue that, and also we will probably do a Q&A session pretty soon, maybe as soon as this week. So I'll post out uh, a message on uh, Facebook and Twitter 
So make sure you guys do take a look out for that. And any comments or questions you guys want me to address, be sure you guys do ask them or, 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 or mention them. And I will do that in the next episode for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Until then, we will talk to you next week and preview the Chiefs and the Ravens, hoping the Chiefs can make it eight straight.